Welcome back to Fresh Faith. We're excited to have a couple of great guests with us today on the podcast. We'll be talking about life change, marriage, and how a can of paint and a picnic table is making a huge impact in a neighborhood near us. Welcome Jack and Jennifer Zebo. Welcome back to Fresh Faith. We're excited to have a couple of great guests with us today on the podcast. We'll be talking about life change, marriage, and how a can of paint and a picnic table is making a huge impact. Well, Jack and Jennifer, we appreciate you guys being here today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you. Jack and uh, Jennifer Zebo have quite a story. And um, the story begins uh, with a time, uh, Jennifer, when you came to the Lord. We're going to talk about that and and your walk with him and sometimes (laughs) a little distanced from him. And then uh, Jack enters the picture. And as Maria said, what was that? A can of paint and a picnic table. table. Pretty, Uh pretty cool. And we'll talk about the turquoise table here in a little bit. So, Jennifer, I wanted to start with you. Just talk about how you came to Christ and, and your early days with Christ and, and kind of how that journey went in the your 20s and 30s of your life. Okay, yeah. So um, I usually like to think about it um, when I was a teenager, my father came to Christ, just radically came to the Lord. And um, and it was bizarre as a teenager for that to happen in your life whenever there was there was no Jesus. And then all of a sudden there was a lot of Jesus. So it was um, it was an awkward time. Um, and I remember my brother and I, my dad had us memorizing scripture and, you know, being in prayer and going to churches that were very different than what we were used to ever being a part of. And I remember um, that I just thought, well, this is what I need to do now. So I'm going to do it. Um, and then, you know, um, he and my mom ended up divorcing and, and, uh, you know, and I graduated and went on in my life. So, um, I ended up, um, having a daughter when I was 22 years old and, um, I knew that I was missing something in my life and I somehow met, um, a pastor and his wife at a little Presbyterian church out in Raccoon and, um, Sherry was her name and she just took me under her wing. And, um, I remember knowing that, there was something going on here that I wanted to be a part of. And I, so I met with a pastor and, um, I told him I was interested in learning more about that. And, um, one of the things he said to me when he was describing, you know, the difference between having Jesus and not having Jesus was he said to think about an insect and how an insect would rather die in the light than live in the darkness. Um, that insect is so attracted to the light that it would rather die there. And that just, I was just like, Oh my gosh. So it was a couple of weeks later, it was an Easter service, at that um, same church, and there was an altar call, and I gave my life to Christ. Mm. Um, so for, you know, a period, I was still in, you know, relationship with that church and with that pastor and his wife and was following the Lord, but not for very long. Mm-hmm. I was not grounded in, in my faith at all. I was not, yeah. I think that's a, um, uh, many people can relate. I believe to your story, you, you know, you, you um, were involved in church. Uh, in your teenage years, you even saw your dad uh, trust in Christ. You said in a radical way, and yet you never made that decision for your own until later on uh, yeah. in this church. Absolutely, and uh, that's where it all really began for you. So, how, so about how old were you uh, when you really trusted in Christ? Uh, I would say I was twenty-three. Okay. Yeah. All right. So um, uh, you trusted in Christ. You're moving along. Uh, you get married. Uh, you guys get married, and uh, Jack, you're not quite there spiritually. We're going to talk about that in a second. And then kind of things just come to a grinding mm. challenge, right, in your in your marriage and your relationship. And so, uh, Jennifer, talk about how you kind of returned uh, to the Lord during that time. Yeah. So um, we're a blended family, and we had experienced, what do you think, five, maybe six years of just a very challenging marriage. And um, it was shortly after we had our youngest daughter, Sina. And I remember, you know, my memory is that we were sitting at our dining room table planning out our divorce, literally. Mm. Um, And I just remember one thing that my father said to me was that if you don't have the Lord in your marriage, your marriage will not thrive. And, um, and I just remember saying to Jack, there's one thing we haven't tried. And, you know, I, I, we were at our wits end. <laughs> mm. So I think, you know, we both thought, whatever. And I said, it's God, you know. And so he agreed and he said, OK, let's try it. Mm. And so we ended up um, at probably that following weekend at the Bible Chapel in Robinson. And um, I had asked Jack, would it be OK if I reached out to the pastor and, and let him know that where we were and that we we were desperate for help? And he said yes. And so we um, talked with the pastor very quickly after getting to that church and um, 
man, we were blessed by a weekend to remember. Um, mm. And um, he hooked us up with a mentor couple to do life with us. That's great. So you guys were sitting at a table ready to call this thing quits. And uh, you remembered there's one more thing. Uh, and that's uh, a relationship with the Lord. And uh, Jack, you kind of you 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 um, you went along, but you weren't buying. You weren't buying at all at at the beginning, right? Yeah, I, I would say that when she said, uh, when Jennifer said, "Well, the last thing we haven't tried is God," I internally groaned. I don't think it actually made it out, <laughs> but internally I was like, "Oh, seriously." But I said, "Okay, if that's the last thing, we'll try it." Uh, we had been to multiple different churches, and um, we never really, I, I never really clicked in, and I found myself in most cases just ignoring what was being said up front because it was easier, and I would just open up the book in front of me, which happens to be, happened to be the Bible, and I would just start, open to a page and just start reading because I wanted to pass the time, and, um, and I wasn't interested in, in sitting there. Um, when we first went to the Bible chapel, in Robinson, it was at um, PTI, which is now PTC, and things just felt different initially. I think right away, um, I I remember going in frustrated that I was even walking in the doors. You're kind of an, you've considered yourself an atheist at this point. Yes, right, a devout atheist. I like mm-hmm. to claim uh, that I was, <laughs> but um, so I walked in thinking, okay, well, I'm just going to sit here and read the Bible and ignore everything else that goes on. Uh, but when we walked in, we, we were late, of course. It was our, our standard uh, early church experience. <laughs> we had showing a newborn. Up, show, showing up, as, as uh, somebody would say, 11 o'clock for the 1045 <laughs> service. And, um, and I immediately we walked in, and I was like, whoa, this must be one of those, those like lower-level Christian bands that tours, you know, and they must just go to different places because it was Rick Buter. And I was like, there's no way this guy is playing in Robinson at this time. This band is amazing. They're so good. I'm like, geez, that must be, you know, really nice. They had this band just come in for the weekend since they were in town. And then when he was back the next week, I was like, this guy's back again two weeks in Pittsburgh. Like, doesn't he have a tour? So that was kind of a start. And I think just the interactions that we had, for instance, thinking about Michael McCormick, Mm -hmm. our um, son was in the hospital for five (laughs) days straight after a surgery, and it was super stressful and super challenging. I was going back and forth to to our house with the two younger kids, and Jennifer was staying at the hospital for five days, nights and days, and, um, and we were sitting there just passing time, watching television, waiting for the next attempt at uh, giving our son medication, which mm. was not going well. And um, I got a, a call on my cell phone, didn't know the number, and it was Mike McCormick. And he said, where are you? And I was like, the hospital. <laughs> I mean, I, I had no idea why he was calling me. And he said, all right, I'll be, you know, what room? Mm-hmm. And mm. five minutes later, he was at our door. Huh. It was very impactful. Sitting with us, talking with us. And I was like... This is amazing. It really it was mm. amazing. Mm. Jack, talk about the the point there, where you, you know you describe yourself as a as a devout atheist. Um, you're checking this thing out, kind of killing time. It, reading the Bible is not a bad way to kill time. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it worked out. <laughs> it worked out well. um, talk about the point where where it clicked. Uh, the blinding scales fell off, and and you said, "Hey, this this is for real." There were, uh, I think, a lot of um, a lot of hints out there. I feel like, and, and I, uh, I often, you know, hear people talking about how they were led to Christ or or prayed. And I feel like, in my experience, God kind of just land, landed a dope slap on me, you know. And I had constantly been praying for a sign. God, show me something. Light up the moon. Darken the sun. Put fireworks, but there's no fireworks. It's just me looking. Do something special. You know, mm-hmm. I want to see something happen, and I think eventually I just realized that um, that I had to, to step first, and so I just basically came to the realization that I would be a yes man for God, and if He mm-hmm. said do something, and it was crazy, but I thought it was you know the right thing to do that um, that I would do it, mm-hmm. and so. When my wife, I think I believe I was in the garage, and she texted me and said, <laughs> "I want to build this table," and I look at it, and it's a turquoise table. I just thought, 
Okay. Normally, I'd be like, sure, I'll get to that. There's not, you know, mm -hmm. tons of home projects. That'll be number, you know, 22 out of out of 21. But at the time, I just said, okay, let's see what we can do with mm -hmm. this. God, if, if this is really you, if this is really a thing, then you'll make something great out of this. And if it isn't, this will just be a, mm -hmm. a blue table in my front yard that <laughs> the HOA won't like. So at this point, you, you know, you're, you're at least talking to God. Right? You're saying, prove yourself to me. You have a great uh, video that you guys have done uh, of your story. We're going to link that uh, to the podcast. But I think it was cool in there. One of the things you mentioned was that you saw changes in Jennifer. And you thought, hey, you know, this is, this is, I don't know how you described it, but this is kind of supernatural stuff. I mean, uh, there's some significant changes going on there. So talk a little bit about that, and then we'll get to that table. Well, I think that, um, that I saw her being more involved with, with um, God than I'd ever seen anybody before, reading her Bible and praying and working with a mentor that, that I think at the time we both felt at different times that we didn't connect with our mentors. That mm -hmm. They were with us, but they couldn't understand us and they didn't get what we were talking about or where we were coming from, which I think at this point seems sort of silly because I think we both feel looking back that they said some very tough things at some very tough times. Um, and at times we felt completely disconnected from them, but looking back, we're just uh, just so thankful for for those um, you know for our mentors to to have mm -hmm. been a part of what what was going on in our lives was just you know amazing. So just watching my wife change and watching my wife um, start to to do the things that she knew she was called to do um, by Christ, then I, I think that that was definitely a part of it that I said, okay, something is, is different here than we had tried before with any of the other elements of going to counseling or mm -hmm. trying to fix things on our own or reading books or any of those elements. Jennifer, kind of tell your part of that story because as you're going through this, you got several things going on, right? You guys are trying to save your marriage. Yes. And you have this renewed uh, walk with Christ. So as you're growing in your walk with Christ, what are you thinking about Jack and how are you praying for him and what are you seeing uh, going on in his life? Um, I remember feeling a lot of frustration because um, I, like Jack said, um, you know, we had the mentor that came to my life. She spoke a lot of truth into my life, which was challenging. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, in hindsight, it, it was the world's greatest blessing. But um, I remember um, thinking, well, don't you see that I'm making changes and don't you, don't you see what, what's happening, you know, outwardly what's happening inside of me and why don't you just believe? And I remember, um, being frustrated by that. And I remember often, um, I don't want to say trying to shove it on him, but trying to shove it on him. Like, you know, you need this, you know, mm -hmm. like there was definitely a point in the walk where it was just like, you know, you need to change, you need to do this. And then, you know, through working with the mentor and through apples of gold program, those, um, those women just speaking truth into my life, I started to realize, oh, no, no, I needed to change. So, um, yeah, it was frustrating at times. And um, another mentor um, said to me uh, a really hard truth. She said, um, the only thing standing between your husband and the Lord is you. And she said, you need to get out of the way. And that's when I was like, wow, she's right. That was hard to hear, but man, mm -hmm. is she right. And that's when I just thought, that's his faith, and he needs to own that, and I can no longer mm -hmm. try to shove that on him. At this point, have you uh, is divorce still an option? Are you guys thinking like, okay, we're we're giving this, you know, our best shot, and and we're going to give it some time, or 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 have you turned the corner enough to say, okay, we're on a better track here, and at least we're headed in the we're not there yet. Are are we ever <laughs> are we ever there yet? Um, but we're headed in the right direction. Kind of where you where were you back in the back in that marriage process? I was just going to say that um, things got worse before they got better. Hmm. Um, I, I think that I was expecting, oh, we're going to walk into church and God's going to save our marriage and life is going to be great and we're going to walk out and that'll be it, that'll be it. But that's not what God had in mind. Um, and so I remember just. Um, thinking that things got worse and worse and worse 
and thinking, oh my gosh, Lord, what is your plan here? But at the same time, we had the support of the mentors that just didn't give up on us. And, and um, Jack's mentor just would meet with him at odd hours to let him be home with his family. And um, uh, I'm not sure if that exactly answers your question, but I, it got worse before it got better. Mm-hmm. And it was a few years in, I think it was a, the summer of our, we were going to be married for 10 years. And so we had been going to the church for three years at this point you know, doing our thing, definitely some major growth for me, growth for Jack as well. And, um, we looked at each other and we were like, are we enjoying this? Are we enjoying marriage? And we were like, oh my gosh, like we're enjoying this. Like this is getting better. And, and we were able to recognize that it was Jesus. Even though Jack hadn't accepted the Lord, we knew it was bringing Jesus into our life that made the change. And, um, that's when we had reached out to pastor Tom and asked him if he would do a vow renewal for us. Um, which we did in our backyard for our 10th wedding anniversary. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Um, Jack, I uh, on your video you talk about um, uh, the mentor, the you know maybe an expectation that you had about people in your past, but, but this individual uh, would, would take your questions and, uh, and that didn't come across as, hey, I got all this together. They, they didn't come across as a person who is perfect. No one is, but some people can come across that way, right? And so talk about, uh, talk about that relationship you had with your, uh, with your mentors. You're, you haven't trusted in Christ yet, and this person's investing in you and giving you, sounds like giving you a lot of rope and a lot of time. Um, talk about that relationship that you had with him. Uh, it was just, just an amazing um, dedication by that person to, uh, to listen and to let me ask a lot of very tough questions that are that are asked of I think people that are um, that are Christians and that are religious maybe I don't know if that's the right word but that I think that that um, a lot of the criticisms that people have of religion those were a lot of the ones that I lobbed at him and there were times that uh, you know, a little bit before I said, up, oh, I can't make it today, you know, because I didn't consider it a priority for me. But for him, it was. And he answered all of them. And he was vulnerable talking about his, how he was not perfect as well. But um, it, it was just amazing to see somebody living their life through a book that I had sat in other churches and read and looked around and said, I just don't see this happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was just a, a, a really big deal to see him say, I'm not perfect. And, you know, but this book helps me make sense of, of who he was, what his flaws were and, you know, mm-hmm. and how he was trying to remain grounded in his faith and, and remain a Christian in, in, you know, a world that often doesn't support it. And so it was interesting for me to be coming from that world that didn't support it or encourage it and then watch somebody do it with with a lot of grace. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's a couple listening who uh, they're at the same place that you guys were at. Mm -hmm. Um, They got uh, divorce papers in the mail or they're going to be meeting and signing those papers. Um, Talk to that couple. Mm -hmm and uh, give them some hope and some challenge and some guidance because you guys you guys were there. You know how it feels. Uh, you know the, the despair and, and emptiness that comes with that. So just take a moment, if both of you would, and, and talk to that couple and, and um, uh, let, them know, uh, let them know the route they should take. Well, I would say that often... When we started going to the Bible Chapel in Robinson, there were just some key phrases that were said there and things. And I think often we walked out of the Bible Chapel feeling like we would call it the Ron Moore punch in the gut. Like <laughs> you, you were called out to what are you doing? How are you improving? And one of the things that, um, that you said one time was people, and this is when I was still not a believer, that people that don't trust in art, that haven't trusted in Christ, either think he's not enough he, he can't, you know, take their sins and the things they've done and are continuing to do or that they don't need them. And I think for me, I felt a little bit of both. My life's OK. I'm doing well. Everything's fine. I don't need I don't need Christ. And second, you know what? I got so much going on right now. I don't think Christ can handle this. He's probably pretty busy. And so I think just coming to the realization that that, yes, you need him and that 
yes, he can handle it. And just to take that step out and say, okay, I'm going to be a, a yes man just a little bit to see mm-hmm. what he does is really amazing. Well said. Um, a couple things that came to mind, the first one were to remove the word divorce from your vocabulary. We had to do that. We had to take that off of the table um, in order for us to move forward. Um, and the other thing that I had to learn was to stop putting the blame on my husband, but to, to take the blame on myself and to look inward and recognize that I was a broken sinner and that our marriage failing was not <laughs> one-sided and, um, and that I needed to change. That was... Uh, that was um, really hard to swallow, but it was it was key, I think, in our in our change. And um, just to piggyback off what Jack said, the Lord can move mountains. I have no doubt. I have seen it personally, and I would just encourage anybody who feels that the Lord can't save their marriage that He absolutely can, and He will if you let Him. Mm. To the couples going through a challenging time. Uh, I can't even imagine, you know, the, the darkness and despair and pain, uh, all the senses of failure and, and you know, you know what, what's going on in my life. But as I talk to a lot of people, you know, they'll say uh, our marriage is beyond repair. Mm-hmm. And you guys are saying, uh, Jennifer, you just said that with Jesus, no marriage is beyond repair. Uh, so, uh, however... Uh, your feeling and, and wherever you are I and mean, what stage you're, you're in, your marriage is not beyond repair. Jesus can, can move those mountains, Jennifer, as you said. Amen. So um, so you, your marriage is kind of moving along, and Jack, you're kind of— you have, so if you haven't trusted in Christ yet, but you're saying, <laughs> I just want to see what you can do. I mean, I want you to prove yourself to me. And I think that's a cool aspect of Scripture because so many times before Jesus calls people to himself, he— he proves himself. Mm. Uh, and uh, so, Jennifer, you read this book, um, <laughs> Turquoise Table by Kristen Shell. Yes. And we're going to have a link to that book. If, if uh, those listening, we'd love for you to, to check it out. Uh, I thought it was the cool, in your video, you said you texted, uh, you texted, uh, you know, I thought, well, why, don't you walk, why don't you walk across the house? But that's the day yep, we live on. Yep. <laughs> but actually, in fairness, now I know you were in the garage. <laughs> We, we may not have been speaking at that point as well, so it's possible that was her best move. <laughs> so you get this text, and so what do you think? A, a turquoise table, this doesn't, this, this is not kind of the theological thing that you might say, Jesus, prove yourself to me, right? <laughs> You're correct. This is not the, uh, the, the you know, cross in the sky or the, uh, the moon turning colors that I was expecting. So that, that definitely threw me off for a little bit, mm-hmm. but I just... Um, I, I just said to myself, okay, I'm going to say yes to this. Even though I was in the middle of other projects, we had moved into a new house, and there was plenty to do. And you've not trusted in Christ yet? I had not trusted in Christ. Okay. This was, I said, okay, I'll, I'll take the first step, and I'm going to expect great things out of this. And um, spoiler alert is that, I mean, God provided <laughs> in a huge way. So you build a table. You put it out uh, just pretty close to the road. Turquoise. <laughs> and uh, the homeowners association are they happy about that? Or? They were they were not very happy. And um, weirdly enough, I was actually on the board, so uh, they were l- less happy about it that way. That that what what was that turquoise table monstrosity doing out there? So the cool part is Jennifer, you're like you're like I want to share my faith with others. That's why I want the turquoise table. And Jack, you're saying. I'm just going to give this a shot to see what happens with this, and maybe God's going to somehow speak speak truth to me through this. So, so let's start with you, Jack. How did God use that table to bring you to Himself? Uh, to be honest, I think I was using this as a I'm going to prove God doesn't isn't here and isn't a part of this table idea. <laughs> and what a better way to do it than to <laughs> it. <laughs> he, he had he had different ideas, however. So, um, so we put the table out. At first, it doesn't go over well. But through um, the amazingness of social media, which often gets a bad rap, but in this case, we basically put it out to our neighbors saying, you know, here's what the HOA thinks about our table. Here's what we think about our table. Here's what we want to do through our table. And uh, our neighbors just rallied in amazing ways. We, um, the, the, the table became a center point of connections and, and love thy neighbor. 
we you you didn't sit at the table if you wanted to get things done. You <laughs> sat at the table if you wanted to interact with your neighbor and and additionally for us it was it was a good reminder of of becoming uncomfortable because when we had large gatherings at the table, we were with neighbors that maybe didn't speak the same language, didn't have the same skin color, weren't in the same socioeconomic group, whatever the case might be, people that were different from us that maybe we struggled to understand. We have um, we had one neighbor who speaks only Spanish, but through the table, we were the people. He took walks every night. We would sit down and we would use Google Translate to talk back and forth. And, and you know, we started to learn Spanish through this man. He only spoke, spoke Spanish. We're only English speakers. <laughs> but I, I think that was just a, a, a an amazing awakening for me at least to say to to look at my yard and see 60 people around a blue table all interacting that normally maybe would wave on the way by if you know if we were lucky and we're going to get to the ministry of that table in a second but jack so at what point in there did you say okay okay god you win you you proved yourself to me through this and i i trust in you i think that it was the table was um, just the, the the thing that pushed it over the edge. I, I think if I if I look back at all of it, there's just a long connection. But from Michael McCormick showing up at our hospital room when our child's mm-hmm. in the hospital to um, getting a video from my mentor, he oh, actually moved gosh. to Arizona. This is Christmas Day. The holidays were rough for us, and it was just a absolutely miserable time. And I had had this video on my phone for a couple of days of a pastor in Arizona that that I watch, and um, and I just happened to click this video and open it, and and this guy's in the video just saying, "Hey, Jack, I'm praying for you," and that right there just, um, I mean, I, I I was just shaken by that. Mm-hmm. But I thought, okay, well, you know, I, it was easy for me to dismiss a lot of little things. And I think the the table for me was <clears throat> the difference between me saying, I'm going to wait for God to show up and do something great, to me saying, nope, I'm going to step out in faith and do something first and then see what God can do of something that seems so um, almost crazy, like putting <laughs> a blue table in your yard sort of thing. You know, Jack said yes to the table and he'd build the table and... Um, I didn't know that the Lord was using this the way he was using it, you know, and my expectations weren't that. And I remember every evening we would come in from the table and he would go, did you see that? Did you see that? Did you just see what happened? You know, and I would just be like, yes, yes, I did. And, you know, of course, in hindsight, looking back at God's hand in it, it was just so cool to see how the Lord was just revealing himself one person at a time. And, um, you know, we live in a neighborhood that have, like Jack said, people from many different countries. And we learned that the people that are from other countries, they feel like outsiders and, and how much they loved being welcomed. Mm. And um, it just helped it helped them to feel part of a community, even though they were different, you know, than I was. And I just, just to impress to people how important it is to get a little bit uncomfortable and to have those conversations with people because it's worth it. And I think for me, being an outsider coming to the church and not feeling a part of, of the church, one of the biggest takeaways or, or wake-up calls for me has been that God doesn't work in the same way for everybody. You, I, I felt, felt like I often heard a consistent theme and story, and people prayed the same way, and they talked the same way. Mm-hmm. And I would say to Jennifer, I just, I just don't think I can be like that or talk like that. That's just, and, and through looking back, I've just recognized that God works in different ways for different people through different things. And sometimes, you know, it's that quiet prayer in the front of a church. Sometimes it's at a Bible camp. Sometimes it's a Bible study. And sometimes it's a dope slap when you're in your garage with a, you know, with a, with a miter saw waiting for, for God to, to step out and work that, um, that he really does some amazing mm-hmm. things. That is, a, that is a cool truth because we, we do uh, get to the point where we think we, we kind of do this cookie cutter thing with God, right? So. Oh, yeah. Here's step one, here's step two, here's step three. This is what it looks like. This is how you pray. This is how you do this. But uh, God just works so differently with every every person has a unique fingerprint. So why wouldn't he work differently in their spiritual journey? And I think that you often talk about that God releases you from the chains of bondage. And I never quite got that. But 
when I decided to trust in 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 God and trust in Christ, that was freeing for me because I was like, oh, I don't I don't have to follow a, a path or a story or a, a way. Mm-hmm. God's provided the way. I just have to say yes. You know, I was thinking when you guys were talking about front porch, one of the things we're trying to do here at the church is to develop more community within. And uh, just as, you know, there are people in their homes that hole up and don't come out, so there are people in the church who hole up with inside them, uh, uh, inside themselves or in their group and don't really reach out to people who are different that might be setting, you know, two rows up and to the right. Uh, so um, what you're doing in your home uh, is, is, uh, is, is, the, um, is the biblical um, truth of Christian community. I, I, so is the biblical community. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think we have realized that because at times we were that couple that just wanted to show up late, be there for the sermon, and, and sneak out early. And I think one of one of the things we recognized through the table was that, no, God wants you in community, not just in community as in you're sitting inside the church worshiping together or listening to a message together, but in community that you are being vulnerable, mm-hmm. which is something that I would would never have done, right? Mm-hmm. I, we, we often, I often say to myself, the, the, um, the cost of pride is isolation. And I, in my pride, I wouldn't be vulnerable. I wouldn't tell people what was going on, mm-hmm. but it took repeated kind of, um, you know, wake up calls from, from God to say, no, I need to be vulnerable and share that, you know, I'm a broken sinner and that I've screwed up a marriage and I've screwed up fatherhood and my job and all these things. And yet I'm still accepted. And Hmm. that, um, that through those things, I can, you know, reach out to others better than if I had, if I was perfect at everything Hmm. and to kind of look around and say, all these other people, I mean, we've, we've now been in marriage study with, uh, you know, numerous couples that we thought were the perfect couple and we just could never connect to. And and their willingness to be vulnerable has led us to realize everybody here n- needs to be sitting at a picnic table with somebody else here right. talking about how they, they need each other and, and need, need God. Yeah. yeah, it's scary to be vulnerable with people that you don't know, but I would agree that the um, blessings that have flown from both of us being vulnerable, especially with our troubles in our marriage have been just tremendous um and just opening up our home to neighbors that's a vulnerable thing right Mm -hmm. um especially when you're not a perfect family um and uh the blessings from that vulnerability have been tremendous Hmm. that's good stuff so um talk about the table so it's in your yard um if you go sit at the table you're there intentionally someone's going to stop by and sit down and, and talk do like potlucks happen there or do you say hey we're going to be there at whatever time on thursday night how, how does this uh, talk about the ministry of the turquoise table i think sometimes it was just us sitting there that i would take my computer out and 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 try and get some work done and then somebody would come down the street the table's right at the edge of the yard it's bright blue and they would just come sit down and at first ask about what is this table doing here? So you would explain that. And I, and I often had, I had two hour conversations with people that I'd never talked to before over any number of topics mm. just by sitting at the table. And the whole time I went out there with my computer to get stuff done. So I, <laughs> I quickly recognized if I went to the table, I, I didn't bring my computer. It, uh, the table um, was fun in that at first we just were like, we're just going to do life at this table. We put it out late spring. It was warm and beautiful. And we just every night had dinner at the table. And what was so cool about it was we would walk out with dinner and then their neighbors across the street would walk out with their dinner. And Mm -hmm. then you were just having a, you know, unplanned dinner at the table. And, um, you know, to back up to talk about the idea behind the table is that it's, it's simple hospitality. It's getting back to the root of hospitality, which is spending time with each other, not having the perfect house, not serving the perfect meal, not having the greatest dishes. It's it's getting spending time with your guest. Mm-hmm. So the the whole idea behind the table is that you're spending time with your guest and you're not fussing over the, all those other things. So to um, have neighbors just come over and sit that we didn't normally have dinner together, you know, occasionally mm-hmm. to just sit and have dinner together on a Wednesday night um, was amazing. 
and and then the neighbors enjoyed it so much um, that you would see. I, I remember my one neighbor, Heather, driving home from work and she rolled down the window. She's like, I'm so glad you guys are sitting at the table. I had a hard day and I just need the ch- just mm-hmm. a chat. And, um, you know, and, and to a women's dinner that I hold, just studying scripture at the table and neighbors that weren't, you know, coming to the dinner because they knew what the dinner was, coming to the dinner because they saw everybody outside and sitting down while we're studying scripture and them just hearing that and, and just saying, there's something different happening here. Like, what is this? And just the conversations are, are just so organic and beautiful. Mm-hmm. So when you hear about the table, to back up a little bit, when you hear about the table, Jack's saying, I'm just going to do it to see what, to see if God will prove himself. Jennifer, when you read about the turquoise table, what did you did you like automatically say, wow, that's something I really want to do? Like what 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 was your thought process? Because, I mean, not many people have a turquoise table. Well, it's a growing number. And I noticed Jack won't even say Jack won't even say turquoise. He just says bright blue. You just can't say that. You can't say the turquoise word. can you? Actually, I was going to say, wait till you get home, Ron. You're uh, one of your your yard right now being dropped off. So I would encourage you. Um, We'll make one for you. (laughs) One thing we didn't talk about was that the um, the HOA was going through a process. The neighborhood had just been turned over from the builders to the community. And so the HOA was going through a process of making rules, right? And they had like this 37 page document of can't do this can't do that and you know in hindsight the lord was working on jack and i remember so he's at those meetings and he's saying people we are causing we're going to cause our neighbors to hate each other we need to change this and literally i was at dinner with a friend and she said i'm telling her about this controversy in the hoa and um she's like you need to read this book and i was like okay and so the timing of it was so perfect and then you know i think that fed into it. whenever i showed that to jack there like a little video that kristen shell did about it he was like this is what we need like yeah and uh so i, I thought this is what our community needs it needs front you know the the slogan or the hashtag is front porch people we need front porch people because currently we're people that go in our house go to our back decks and we don't interact Except for the polite wave whenever you're driving down the street. So I mm. knew that our community needed it and craved it. So it's kind of cool because so it, it was a homeowners association debate <laughs> that kind of uh, sparked you getting the book that, uh, Jack, you're saying out with what spiritual aspect can happen. We just need to be people who are who are interacting. That's pretty cool the way God worked that out. Oh, it's crazy. And I mean, I would have never, ever, ever thought that the Lord was going to use that table to bring my husband to him. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So you have this table. You have, I've seen pictures of, um, I think you said 60 people <laughs> um, out and about. I think uh, one time, it's Pittsburgh, so I saw a tent, kind of a tent over it, right? <laughs> oh, we had a, a, the block party, yeah, the block party. So um, what we didn't talk about is that there's, now five or six tables in the neighborhood other families all were like we want a table in our yard too so you guys are irritated that now not everyone comes to your table (laughs) no no (laughs) well we've since moved so our table is actually still in the neighborhood and uh being enjoyed by others but yeah well and what's funny is at one point during the the controversy of the table i remember thinking i'll lay on this table before you'll remove this table from my yard because there was the threat of that 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 they would come and remove it and then one day tom rojan um, says, we would love to have a table at the church. And it just came full circle for me that I knew that the Lord's purpose wasn't for that table to be in my yard. It was to be at the church mm-hmm. and um, that God's plan. It was a, I remember at that moment thinking like, God, your plan is so much bigger than mine and so much better. Uh, that's cool. And it's uh, cool now to walk in at the campus in Robinson. And uh, when you walk in the one, the one door there in the back, uh, there's the table and and, uh, and and people are hanging out oh, yeah. at the table. Oh, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Um, talk about, just as a general principle, whether people are going to uh, put out a, a table in their yard or not, uh, you, guys have, you guys have used this to really reach out uh, to neighbors, um, uh, no doubt having opportunities to share the gospel, but really kind of pre-evangelism, right? Just just having a conversation. So someone's driving home, I've had a bad day, can we talk? Um, a neighbor who speaks another language, sitting down and working working through just, uh, you know, the, the kind of the fun challenge of trying to figure out what he, what people are saying. Your kids have been, been involved in. So 
talk to people again, regardless of how they do it. This front porch philosophy of of uh, embracing kind of a you know uh, a time gone by really mm. when when neighbors went out on their front porch and interacted with each other. How just talk about the philosophy of that and how important it is how how important it's been for you guys uh, to have that happen in your life and and uh, for your kids as well because mm. you mentioned your kids really. Uh, you, you're so thankful to see your kids impacted by this. Oh, yeah, I think we really enjoyed how much our kids enjoyed the turquoise table and how every night they wanted to go sit there too because it was not just community for us, it was not just neighborhood for us, but for them as well to be sitting with their friends and neighbors and, and having a meal together. I think the, the meal aspect and getting to know people's names and exchanging cell phone numbers was really a big deal because I think that that name and eating together changes the kind of tone that you have when it's when it's an HOA sort of thing and you're upset that your neighbor's grass is too long but you don't know their name and you don't have their cell phone number I feel like that changes the dynamic from when you have sat down and had a meal with that person and when it's that close kind of connection I think you at least for me I acted differently towards people and I would go out of my way to help other people and I thought okay what is it those people need rather than what is it that I need I need their grass to be shorter no I need to go over and say is your mower broken you know is somebody sick and and so I think the the philosophy really became getting to know people and getting involved in their lives and eating together makes you think more about what you need to be doing for them than the kind of casual, unnamed version of what do I need these people to do mm-hmm. for me. You know, I, maybe you guys can even speak into this, but I think it's always amazing, uh, you know, just like you say, when you, when you see a situation in someone's house or um, a challenging situation you're dealing with, you have so many thoughts and, and so many, you know, frustrations or irritations or whatever, but when you sit down with the person, and your eyeball to eyeball, uh, just the mood changes. The mood just changes. Your heart changes, and it's amazing to me when you look at scripture, from the from the you know the mandatory religious feasts of the Old Testament, to so many uh, interactions that Jesus had with people. It's always around food. Uh, you guys have any insight on that? What's the, what's the what's the power of setting down with with food? It doesn't always have to be food right at a right. table, but. But it's amazing just the power of that commonality of eating together that really allows people to kind of open their hearts. You guys have any insight on that? I, I just think that whenever you're sharing a meal, you let your guard down. You're, you know, possibly scooping food from the same dish. You're passing around, you know, a water jug and you're just um, you're letting your guard down. And you're just to me, it's just it's more intimate. Sharing a meal with a person is an intimate experience. Um, and I think that just brings down some of the, the barriers that people have, and it's just a more intimate time. I, th- I think the space means something as well, because when the table was maybe 10 or 15 feet from our street, people didn't just show up. But we put that table right at the edge of our yard, still on our property, but right at the edge. It almost was an invite to people to say, no, no, we, we want you here as well. We wouldn't put it right. We, we'd put it in our backyard <laughs> if we didn't want you here. We want you here. I think is an invite. And I think for me, it also changed some other ideas like that after we put the table out, I'm a teacher, so I had a a parent call me and it was a not very good interaction. And I just thought, this is not how I should be interacting. So I said, where do you live? I'm going to be at your house today at 3.30. And the parent and I sat down and had coffee and I walked her through the computer systems we have and the problems with her son. And it was a very different interaction. She she was so thankful for that, and I think without the table, I would have been on the same idea of, no, no, I'll talk to you on the phone. I'm not showing up at your house. But <laughs> when I was at her house sharing coffee, the dynamic changed to, okay, now we're on the same team, and now we're working towards the same goal, kind of sitting side by side versus that idea of you know, being on opposite sides mm-hmm. of a fence or a street or a window or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting. God has had you guys on quite a journey. Yes. Uh, from sitting at a sitting at a table, <laughs> getting ready to sign divorce papers, to um, trying this one last thing. Mm. Let's see what, if maybe God could uh, help us here. Remembering what your dad said, 
uh, going to church still, Jack. You're just keeping this thing at an arm's distance and just kind of observing at this point. And then a, a turquoise table out in your yard that that uh, allowed you to um, allowed Jack for you for 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 you to say, yeah, God, you're showing yourself real to me, and and I trust you. I surrender through several situations, but that. Uh, and now I know uh, you're headed to uh, out of the country on a missions trip. Talk about that. <laughs> yes, we're going to um, Nairobi, Kenya, to the Mathari slums. It's my first trip there, so um, I would be lying if I didn't say I was nervous about it and worried. And I think it's just a good reminder for me that um, that the people in Kenya are still my neighbor, and that things. <clears throat> work out the best when I make myself uncomfortable. So going on the trip was not my first choice. I was hoping for the trip to the uh, Florida beaches or to the uh, Costa Rica. We call those a mishication when when people go for a vacation. That was the plan that I had for myself was that one. Um, When the sort of needs for the trip came out and they said we need secondary science and we need volleyball people, then I realized once again that I, Mm -hmm. you know, was – it just like they came back to the, to the table. Are you willing to step out and do this? And I, I just I knew that even though I was uncertain about it and worried about it, that you know if I really wanted to be trusting in Christ, I needed to say yes, and I needed to go and have a happy heart and and uh, be glad to do it. Well, it's going to be uh, quite an experience for you. I've been there a couple times, and um, I I. I honestly cannot put into words the experience. Uh, you know, when you try to explain it, um, you just can't find the right verbiage to um, uh, to express what you see and the emotions you feel. It's you know, it's like a holistic experience from what you see to what you what you uh, feel to what you smell to you know to everything that's happening around you in, in living color and. Uh, it's pretty cool because um, they uh, we've thankfully been able to invest some money over there to build a science lab, and uh, you're going to go over and and see that firsthand, and we're excited to hear how everything's going. I'm excited for that as well. I think it's definitely going to be eye-opening for me, but um, I'm excited to just be a part of what's happening over there, and and the people on the team are amazing, and many of them have you know just ex- expressed their enthusiasm for for returning and um, just hearing about how much they love the people over there and are connected Mm -hmm. has really just been inspiring for me. Well, we appreciate you guys. And uh, you, God, again, has had you on an amazing journey. And what I'd like for you to do, if you would, uh, both of you, if you just take turns doing this, um, pray for that couple out there that, um, that is now where you were. Uh, you guys, you guys know the feeling, and you know the despair, and you, and you know how this stuff uh, feels pretty dark. Uh, so pray for them, and ask God uh, to intervene in their lives, and um, ask God to really work in their hearts to let them surrender. Because there was a time when you said, "We're going to give one last thing a try," and. You know, Jack, even though maybe you didn't want to, you said, okay, I'm going to give it a shot. There was a surrender even in that, maybe a reluctant surrender. So pray that God uh, allows uh, those individuals to just um, um, open their heart just a crack uh, to let him work. Because if they do that, he's going to work. So pray for for those couples as we we close. Lord, thank you. so thankful that you opened our eyes, Lord, and that you became the light in our marriage and in our home and for our children and at times for our neighbors. And Lord, I would ask that for those families that are going through challenging times that feel like the dark is all around them, that, that you would just be that peace that they need it would provide just that little push over the edge that they can they can decide that they want to take a shot follow you uh, go to a go to a, a a church somewhere open up the bible somewhere 
and and hear your word, Lord, and then that they would have an opportunity to see the the great blessings that are provided. And Lord, I would ask that in those times when they're on that journey and things are really tough, when when they expect things to get easy quickly, that you not only are there for them, but you also help them understand that that in this life there are challenges and disappointments, but that the the picture that you provide is much bigger than the one that we can see at at the at sometimes in our in our small vision. Lord, thank you, uh, thank you for my husband, Father God. I just um, I just praise you, Lord. Um, Lord, uh, I ask that you um, you bring hope and peace into the to the hearts and to the lives of any couple that um, might be hearing this message. Lord, I just ask that you. Um, you remind them that you are bigger and stronger and greater than any mountain that they face, Lord God. You, um, you are a God of mercy and compassion, Lord, and you, um, you will provide, Lord. And I just ask that you, um, you help any couple that hears this message, Lord, to surrender fully to you, Lord, that they, um, they let you tear down the walls around their heart brick by brick, not all of them at the same time, Lord, but brick by brick, Lord, just that um, that they allow you in, Lord. I ask that you um, help um, each person to um, to look inward, Father God, and to examine themselves um, and, and to stop pointing fingers, Lord. And I just ask that you bring um, resources to them, whether that be a mentor couple or um, a, a pastor or just the resources that are necessary that they can get the help that they need, Lord, and that they are not prideful, Father God, because we all need you, Lord, desperately. And um, Lord, I just um, I just thank you for this opportunity for us to um, to share our story, Lord, and I know that you will use it um, greatly to further your kingdom. So thank you, Father. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Jack and Jennifer, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank Appreciate you. It. What an incredible story that Jack and Jennifer have. It's amazing how just being open to the idea of welcoming others into your home for a meal or on your front lawn or, or really even just to say hi and to get to know people, the, the impact that that has on so many others and the impact that they have had in the ripple effect. We are just so excited that we had the opportunity to talk to Jack and Jennifer today. And next week, we're really excited because the author of The Turquoise Table, Kristen Schell, will be on the podcast. Ron and I had the opportunity to talk to Kristen and just really hear the heart of why this book was written, where she got started, and we can't wait to share that with you. So join us next week on Fresh Faith. We'll see you then.